Yo, 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 welcome to Tap Room Sports, a sports podcast unlike any other podcast around. That's right, because it's about two of the greatest things on the planet. That's right, sports and beer. I am your host, Jordan. Stacks on stacks on stacks, lats. Here with my partner, my friend, Mr. Big Ballin' Ben Larson. What's going on, Ben? Not much, man. Enjoying the weekend. Got some great football in, great college football yesterday. And uh, I'm starting a three-week shutdown, so I don't have to go to work uh, on Monday. Feels feels nice. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's been a great weekend. Uh, we had an awesome UFC pay-per-view last night, UFC 256. Yep. Uh, we have some great football. We got a lot of things to talk about. Some NBA preview as we get into the preseason now. Always stoked to be here. As always, drinking some excellent beer. As always. Yeah. So before we talk about your beers, let's uh, let's pass on what we, you know, why we have our beers here. And really, Jordan and I love beer. You know, probably just as much as we love sports. Maybe. Maybe it's close, but uh, we love we love supporting our local breweries. We love you know drinking beer, watching a game, and uh, we want you to kind of feel that same love. So each week we're going to be reviewing a few beers uh, on the podcast to really let you know what we think is a good beer and what is a bad beer. So go out to those breweries, you know, order some beer, try it out. So Jordan, what's your first beer of the night? My first beer of the night is from Kings County Brewers Collective. Um, it's from New York. So I'm actually going to be drinking two New York beers from New York this uh, tonight. Nice. So out of out of the ordinary. But this one is the Invasion of the Berry Snatchers. And as you can see, Ben, this shit is very, very pinkish red. Yep. And it's it's a, it pours a, a very thick. It pours a beautiful color. The aroma is just exactly what you want from a sour so i'm very excited to be drinking this one nice hell yeah so my uh, first beer of the night is going to be a beer that i got out of my 12 days of christmas box uh, i put up the uh, unboxing up on our instagram so make sure to check that out but uh, yeah. the first beer that i got out of that was the wicked weed brewery pernicious ipa and it's a 7.3 percent ipa it's out of Asheville, north carolina so uh you know going going east coast as well so uh hell yeah this beer is this beer is crazy um it's it's super hop heavy at least in the uh in the description of it and the hops that they use in the ingredients so in the brew they use amarillo centennial columbus moteca uh, Pacific Gem and Warrior Hops, and then while it's fermenting, they dry hop it with Amarillo, Citra, Galaxy, Mosaic, Moteca, and Pacific Jade. So it it sounds like it's going to be a incredibly hop-heavy beer. It smells like it. I took a taste, though, and it is not crazy hop-heavy. So I'm excited to finish this one, but uh, I think it's time for some sports. Yeah, man, we're drinking beers from North Carolina and New York, which is the two areas of where Taking Back Sunday is from. There we FYI. go. Hell yeah. <clears throat> but anyways, let's jump into some football. All right, so we started off 
Thursday night this week. We had a decent game, two teams battling for the playoffs. We had the New England Patriots heading to the SoFi Stadium, catching five points. The Rams minus five. The Rams ended up smoking the Patriots. It, was it wasn't bad. even as close as the score. I believe the score was a uh, twenty-four to three. But the Rams defense, you know, they really held the Patriots down. What was your biggest takeaway from that game on Thursday night, Ben? I mean, it's it was how far the Patriots are away from being a contending team. Man, I mean, coming into the season, we definitely thought they were, you know, they were potentially a team that would be good next year. But, I mean, to be honest, I don't see that, especially with the way that they played on Thursday. I mean, they had 12 offensive drives. They had an interception, a three and out, and a turnover on – you know, those downs for for eight of those 12 drives. Um, they were 0-4 in the red zone. Uh, it, it was, it, like, that's embarrassing. That's absolutely embarrassing for an offense. And then you're, you're absolutely right. They let Akers run all over them. Um, you know, if you're taking anything from this game, I think it's that the, um, that the Patriots pass defense was was all right um that and, and their punter's really good i mean well i mean the the rams didn't have to pass the ball because they were running for like four or five plus yards a carry every yeah. time they seemed to run the ball they were getting a first down i mean cam Akers was a man on a mission in that game and that's kind of been like how the rams are and well, we yeah. said this like last week. We said it the week before the rams are a sneaky good contender team because they have a one of the best defenses in the league. Yep. They easily have the best defensive line. Aaron Donald and company get after the quarterback. They were, they're able to shut down the run. Once they get a lead though, I don't think the Rams are beatable because all they do is they pin their ears back and just attack the quarterback. Yeah. Patriots couldn't throw. They couldn't run. They really couldn't do anything on offense. This game was ugly. The biggest shocker to me is like, Bill Belichick, for as good at drafting as he is as he is at defense, that dude cannot draft a wide receiver if his life depended on it. True. <laughs> Very true. I mean, it's it's ugly, but my biggest takeaway from this game was really that the Rams are one of the best teams in a wide open NFC East. I mean, we saw the Saints lose today, which we're probably gonna get into a little bit later, but yeah. this NFC East or NFC is wide open and the Rams may be the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Do you agree? Yep, hundred percent. And then the Patriots, obviously, they've they've fallen from grace. I don't think Cam Newton's the answer. No, I wanted Cam Newton to be good so bad just to prove his doubters wrong. But I mean, that dude is just like he's not at that MVP caliber he once was. I mean, he's he's just not a good quarterback, bro. Yeah, I mean, if you know, put him in, in as uh, you know, like that uh, Tyson Hill, that um, you know, well, what the Eagles were doing with Jalen Hurts, put him in. You know, 10, 15 plays a, a game. Get them those rushing, uh, you know, rushing pass options. And, you know, Stidham did play well last week, you know, and I think he played like, what, a few like drives this last, uh, this last game? A couple. And, I think he played two drives. Yeah, like, you know, work on that dual quarterback threat. And, you know, when you have somebody like Cam who can move, like, utilize that. Well, I mean, that's interesting you bring that up because that's probably the future for Cam Newton. Like, he's probably not going to be a starter in this league after this year, yep. and that's probably going to be his role. He's probably going to be that, like, when you need to get one yard, like a Jacoby Brissett this year. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's move on to the game of the week. We had the Minnesota Vikings going into Tampa Bay. This game was fucking weird, dude. Like, yeah. That's all I could say. The Minnesota Vikings were catching six and a half points. Um, dude, what, what was your takeaway from this game? I mean, old man Brady looked bad, like way bad. And other than that big shot to Scotty Miller, like he can't throw over 15 yards. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't have any interceptions uh but they're i mean they're not a contender there's no, no. way no i mean the bucks dude they should have lost this game they got outplayed and they ended up winning this game by yep. two scores because dan bailey missed 10 points of field goals dude he was 0 for 3 on field goals and 0 for 1 on extra points how can you be a professional kicker yep. and be that fucking terrible dude like the NFL needs to investigate this guy. Like, I'm, I guarantee if you go and look, he had money on this game. Bro, he wasn't even missing close. Like, he was yeah. missing. Like, how is that possible? I could have probably kicked it closer. Yeah. They got to they gotta find another uh, glasses-wearing Lego-playing kicker, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, though. The Vikings basically doubled the time of possession for Tampa Bay. Yep. I mean, Tampa Bay was so lucky, dude. When they went into that halftime, they got that phantom P.I. call on the Hail Mary. That mm -hmm. was absolutely atrocious. The yep. Vikings had 71 yards in penalties, which basically equaled seven points for the Bucks. I mean, the Vikings should have won this game. Yeah. And if the Vikings don't make the playoffs, they're going to look back on this game right here and be like, yo, that was a game we should have won. We could have won. And they, had to win. Won. and they had to they basically yep. had to win especially with the cardinals winning yep all right so which brings up sunday night football um we had the pittsburgh steelers heading into buffalo buffalo bills were uh laying two and a half points this week the buffalo bills dominated the second half dude they really like did. it wasn't even close um the final score of the game i'm sorry i'm trying to bring it up right now it was 26 to 15 right what was your takeaway from this game right here? Because this was a this was a big AFC matchup right here. Huge matchup. Um, I was expecting a a lot higher of a score than, you know, the what, you know, forty points that we got. Um, well, you know, it's you know I hate to say it, but I think Big Ben's knees are are finally coming back down to earth, and you know he's <laughs> he's struggling to move in the pocket. He's, uh, you know, could have a shoulder or elbow issue as well because he is not throwing the ball like he did in those first you know seven eight weeks of the season and you know it's a completely different offense it's banged up the defense is banged up so i mean this is going to be tough for them to get into the playoffs i mean I'm the sorry, one thing is get into the playoffs but to do well in the playoffs yeah no you're absolutely right and i think that I think there was big question marks around the Steelers because they were beating a lot of bad teams. Mm -hmm. And so the question has always been around that team. Like, is this team really that dominant 11-0 team, right? Yeah. And they've lost the last two weeks. They barely beat the Ravens, who are missing, like, nine starters. They very possibly could have lost that game. Um, and you're right, dude. Ben has really regressed. And we've seen this with Drew Brees the last couple of years. As the season goes on, these older quarterbacks start to fade. I mean, father time is undefeated. Father yep. time does not lose. Yeah. And I think I think you're absolutely onto something, Ben. Like, I don't know the actual statistics of it, 
I'll probably look it up for APR this week. But these last like five weeks, he's not throwing the ball well. The Steelers can't run the ball at all. I mean, they only ran for like 76 yards this week. They only ran for like 46 last week. Yeah. So when you have an older quarterback and you can't run the ball, it's a recipe for disaster. They got so many injuries adding up on defense. I mean, Josh Allen, once again, he was really able to do what he wanted to do. He threw an interception, but that interception wasn't even his fault. It was a tip pass. Yep. So, I mean, these are this is two teams trending complete opposite directions. Facts. Uh, I mean, the Bills are a contender in the AFC. I think they're a better team, obviously, than the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, definitely showed tonight. Definitely yeah. showed tonight. So yep. before we preview this Monday game, you know, I got to ask. We had we saw a lot of crazy non primetime games today. Um, yep. You know what what stood out to you there? I mean, the Bucks are the luckiest team of all time. Like, <laughs> you have a kicker that misses ten points worth of field goals. You had a drive where literally the entire drive was made up of on penalties. And they ended up winning the game by 12 points. And that was really the difference in the game. I mean, they literally got dominated in that game. Time of possession was double for the Vikings, which I said earlier. That was a game the Vikings should have, could have won. The Bucs should be 7-6 and and like barely even sniffing the playoffs. And there's a possibility they might not make the playoffs. And then another one we talked about. The Rams might be the best team in the NFC. I love what they're doing. I love that they're able to beat you through the air if they have to. They're able to run the ball dominantly, and that defense just is incredible. I mean, yeah. Jalen Ramsey on the backside, Aaron Donald on the front side. I mean, when when you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey that can take away your best receiver and kind of cut half the field off, and then you're able to stop the run with a defense like you have with the Rams – I mean, that's a recipe for winning right there. Yep. What about Damn. you, man? What was your biggest takeaway this weekend? You really like those primetime teams. Um, but, uh, I mean, the first thing that I, I came out with was, you know, that the Eagles looked a lot better today. Uh, they're still not great. But, uh, you know, I think the Saints really just sucked. I mean, Jalen Hurts was decent, 17 for 30 for a 56% completion rate, 167 yards, and a TD. Uh, he ran the ball, which was you know, a huge difference from, you know, the the last week. But I, I think as a team, them running the ball was a huge difference. And, you know, it just makes me want to question, was Peterson really the problem? And was he setting once up for failure? Because once is not as bad as a quarterback as we saw. Um, oh, once is absolutely terrible. And this this game right here basically proved it. Because once is always turning the ball over early on. The Eagles, lead, they're dead last in the NFL in point differential in the first three quarters, so they're always playing down. They're not able yeah. to run the ball. Like If you ask any NFL coach what he wants to do, he wants to run the ball and control the clock. You can't do that when you're playing down multiple scores. I mean, there's definitely blame for Peterson to be had, dude. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. He hasn't been a great coach because he set Wentz up for failure, but I think Wentz is kind of the weakness of the Eagles, and I think we saw this here today with Hurts you know, able to lead that team to victory. Yeah. I'm definitely interested to see what happens next week with the Eagles when they show up in Arizona. You know, is the the kind of aura of Jalen Hurts going to be rubbing off, and are we going to see that same old, you know, uh, Could the tapes team? out. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the other thing, I mean, I know I talked about this last week too, but, man, how trash are the Jets, man? 40-3 to three today. 
you know, after this weekend, they're averaging 14 points a game, allowing 30 points a game, being outscored by <laughs> 210 points this season. And incredible. to give everyone a reference, number 31 on the list is minus 122. So 90 additional points that the Jets have allowed. Um, like, please tell me, and I don't know this, like, tell me they just went through a management blow up. No. Oh, good. Like, how, <laughs> how is it? How haven't they? Bro, it's hella funny, too, because every time the Seahawks would score today, they would, like, show Adam Gase on the sideline. Yeah. And he's, like, sitting there, like, studying and shit. Like, what is he thinking about? Because he's obviously not thinking about the game. Because, I mean, that shit, dude, the Jets suck. Like, they might be the worst. They might the be the worst bad. team I've ever seen, dude. Yep. It's crazy. All right, well, let's get into this Monday night game. We got a big... AFC North uh, matchup here, especially because the Steelers lost today. So, I mean, the Browns are very well in this divisional race here. Yeah. Um, and they are actually underdogs in this game. Baltimore's going into Cleveland, minus two and a half favorite. Where are you going on this? What do you think of this game, Ben? Yeah, I think I'm going to be rolling with the flow in this game. Um, the Browns, I mean, the Browns have really been hot since their bye week, uh, yep. with four straight. And and, you know, yes, they've been playing some shitty teams, but they've looked like, for, for the first time, I think if I've ever been watching football, like, they've looked like they're on the same page. And it makes this team, the way they're built, kind of scary. Um, you know, looking at the opposite side, you've got the Ravens, who, Ravens who are trending down, um, two and four since their bye week in week seven. So, you know, it's, they, they beat the Cowboys. Like, come on. That's not a W. <laughs> um, and I, I just see the, the struggle continuing. So, I don't yeah. know. We, we may come back to this uh, a little bit later. I, don't know. I mean, these two teams are very similar. Uh, like, if you look at them side by side. Yeah. But I'm with you, man. I'm going to go with a team that's hot. And so, I'm going to go with the Browns here. I mean, since uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has gotten hurt, Baker Mayfield has not thrown an interception. So, he's been able to take care of the ball. I said it when we were previewing the NFL in some of our very first episodes. I said, I love the hire of Kevin Stefanski as the head coach of Cleveland yep. because of what he was able to do with Kirk Cousins. And he's doing the same thing with Baker Mayfield. He's controlling the game on the ground. He's making it very simple for Baker off the play action. What he's very good at getting him out on the bootleg, moving the pocket, making easy throws, easy decisions. I like the Browns here. I love what they've been doing the last few weeks. I think that win against Tennessee was huge motivation lifter oh, for yeah. them. And they I think they have the eyes on the prize right now. And with you know, Steelers kind of tripping up right now, the Browns can sneak in there and win this division, get a first round uh, easier matchup. Normally it would be a bye, but this year it's things are a little weird, but Yep. They're definitely not getting that one seed. <laughs> yeah. And since the uh the Browns Raiders game. I do always have to go and check uh, weather in in oh, Cleveland, yeah. especially in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no rain, no major wind. It's going to be thirty five degrees and a wind chill of nineteen. So it's going to be icy. The over under is forty five right now. What do you think of that? Ooh, um, hmm. I I think that's a ooh that's. I'm going to say that's a little high. I'm going to go under on that one. Under 45? Yeah, I just don't see the Baltimore offense putting up, you know, a, a good amount of points. And their defense is still, you know, a top-notch defense. 
So oh, I'm going to put it under. Damn, I think I'm going to go over. Uh, shot bet? <laughs> All right. Deal. All right. Bet. Shot bet next week. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to this. Uh, over, under 45. Love it. All right, let's head into the best professional sports league of them all, eh. the National Basketball Association. Maybe. We've been previewing the NBA. This week, we're going to do it a little different. We should have thought of this earlier, but we didn't, and I don't know why, as two degenerates and <laughs> shit. But this week, we're going to break them down based on the over-under win totals. So it's going to be a lot more simple, and it's going to give you a lot of good insight if you want to bet futures for these uh divisions so this week we're going to do the southeast division and the southwest division um so let's just get it started with the southeast ben let's hop into it atlanta hawks over under 36 and a half this is a team that went out you know they added clint capella at the trade deadline last year um they went out they signed bogdan bogdanovich after that fiasco with milwaukee yep. they went out and added danilo gallinari on a three-year deal they got uh you know they had a couple of draft picks um their biggest one on yeka out of usc yeah my usc trojans um you know where do you see this team do you see them over or under that 36 and a half wins Keep in mind, there is only 72 games this year. Yeah, um, which essentially puts them at, at 500. Um, and I'm going to go over on this one. They, Ooh. I mean, they had some huge additions. And I know last year they were 20 and 47. Um, so that's, you know, a huge step. Um, but another person that you forgot to add in their uh, additions this year was uh, Rondo. And, you know, yes, he's he's on the older end of his career, but he is still going to be somebody who is going to be putting up points. Um, and, you know, like you said, Okongwu, uh, uh, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, um, you know, I, I, I've been hearing that Nathan Knight is going to be a good addition, you know, to their bench. So I'm going to I'm going to put them over and I'm going to say that they could possibly be in that two, three spot this year. I am going to go against you, and I am going to say under 36 and a half wins. This was a team that was historically bad on defense last year. Like, I'm talking like the worst defensive team in our lifetime. That's how bad they were. And they didn't do anything to really address that. They basically added onto their strength, which is offense. You know, they added... Yeah. A guy in Bogdanovich, Gallinari, who are good offensively. Rajon Rondo, honestly, aside from the bubble last year, he was garbage. He wasn't good. I do think that as a veteran presence, I think it's good for that, that locker room. 36 and a half wins is Vegas telling you they think this is a playoff team or maybe should be borderline playoff team. I'm going to go under here. I don't see it happening. I just think that this is a team that's going to give up like 130 points a game and they're going to score 128 and they're not going to be able to really lock down defensively when they need to. Okay. All right. Second second team, we got the Charlotte Hornets over under 25 and a half men. Uh, you know, they added obviously third pick overall LaMelo Ball. Right. Um, you know, they added Gordon Hayward in a sign and trade, which was stupid of Boston. We kind of touched on that last week. Yeah. They kept Devontae Graham, who was, you know, one of the best players last year. 
Um, he was, or I should say, one of the best players, but he was one of the most improved players last year. Um, so this is a team, obviously very young. They lost a lot of veterans: Dwayne Bacon, Nicholas Batum, Willie Herman Gomez, Willie Hernan Gomez, Kobe Simmons. Um, so this is probably a, a team that's rebuilding, and the over under twenty five and a half says that. Where are you going with this team? Yeah, I'm gonna go over. Um, you know, Ooh. mostly because that means that they have to get three more wins. In uh, they played what sixty five games last year, so in what thirteen more games, and I think that they can do that. They've, you know, the big question mark for me is going to be Lamelo. Like, is he going to be? The player that we saw yesterday in his uh, preseason game making, you know, crazy passes? Or is that all he's going to be doing? Um, you know, his <laughs> three-point shot is, is a big question. And, you know, is he going to be consistent? So I think they, they got a little bit better adding Hayward, adding Ball. Um, they didn't, I don't think they lost too much there, but, uh, you know, so I see them getting three more games than next, than last year. I'm going to go under 25 and a half, and <clears throat> I think they need to lose more than, I, I think they need to go under for their, for their franchise's sake, yeah. because they're not getting any better by adding free agents. I honestly think that Gordon Hayward signing was a terrible idea for a franchise like this, because... You should be rebuilding from the ground up. I mean, you got Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, Lamella Ball. You should, like, try to stick to a young core and kind of build rather than bring on, like, a high contract kind of guy. Because we see this happen with young teams. When you bring on, like, a, a guy with a big contract and he's not able to perform up to that contract, it kind of makes the younger guys a little bit jealous. True. Um, so I think this, I think this is going to be an under situation here, and I think that's what they actually want. I think they want to continue getting draft picks and build. Um, I'm going to go under 25 and a half for them. Next team, Miami Heat, over under 44 and a half games. Last year, they were 44 and 29 in 65 games. They're obviously returning the core that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Iguodala, so forth, so on. Y'all know the names. Y'all saw them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, they added Precious Achua from uh, Memphis. They also added Mo Harkless. Um, and they really didn't lose much. They lost a few pieces. Jay Crowder, actually a huge piece in the bubble that they lost. Yeah. But where do you see the Miami Heat? I'm going to go under 44 and a half. Um, you know, last year they had the 44 and 29 record. Um, so, you know, I think they're going to be close to where they were last year, but honestly, like the teams around them got better. And over the off season, they were just looking to retain Adebayo and uh, Drakic. So um, it's really, I think, going to sit on the shoulders of Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero to see if they get that next step up to more than what they, you know, than their record said last year. Um, you know, I do know that they were not as great of a, a team before the bubble and then turned it on in the bubble. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at that as a overall, you know, sign for a, a not, not so hot year. Yeah, man, I'm kind of with you, dude. Like, <clears throat> honestly, I, I don't know where to go with this one because like part of me feels like this is definitely the best team in this division Yep, <clears throat> and they'll probably win like almost all of their division games. However, they were way better in the bubble than they were in the regular season. Yeah. 
and you know Jimmy Butler's a year older. Goran Dragic is a year older. I'm pretty sure Goran Dragic is like 34 now. You know, is Tyler Hero gonna build on what he was able to do in the bubble? Losing Jay Crowder was massive because Jay Crowder was a huge player in the yeah. bubble. I mean, he was a he was playing like he was Clay Thompson. Yep. So losing a dude like that is huge. Um, I do think the pickup of Mo Harkless is is a nice compliment to what he was able to do. I mean, they're gonna be basically asking him to do the same thing that uh, Jay Crowder did. So if he's able to fill that role, I probably lean the over here though. I'm gonna say they're like a 45 win team. So I'm I'm definitely leaning over 44 and a half. Hmm, okay, it's gonna be a close one. <clears throat> And the last team in this division, the Orlando Magic, okay. over under 31 and a half. Uh, this is a team that got the A seed last year. Um, they've had some, uh, you know, they lost DJ Augustine to Milwaukee. They lost Melvin Frazier. Um, other than that, they're kind of bringing back the same guys, right? They they added Cole Anthony um, in the draft. You know, where, where do you think this team is going i should add though that uh jonathan isaac who's usually their starting forward is going to be out i believe the first three months of the year mm -hmm. he's recovering from that knee injury from uh august okay and for all you southeast fans yes we we know we do have one more we got the washington wizards left but uh, oh yes 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 Sorry. but uh I, i'm gonna go under for orlando here um I, and you know, part of that is because they, they lost their depth and they didn't really add much more other than their, their draft picks. And, the, I mean, last year this team struggled with their offense. And, I mean, my, my main man, Midi alum Aaron Gordon, um, I, to be honest, I didn't know him in high school. He was there, but I didn't know him. But, uh, <laughs> like, he can't, he can't do it all. He cannot do it all. And that's really what Orlando is asking him to do is put everything on his shoulders and, you know, take helm and I, you need a, a full team yeah this is a this is an interesting team and you know when we get into the, our our recap of all the divisions of who we think is going to be a playoff team this is going to explain my thought on the orlando magic a little bit more i'm going under here the under mm -hmm. 32 and a half i think eventually this season aaron gordon gets traded uh busevich might get traded uh, this is a team I think is like in rebuild mode. Their biggest weakness was point guard, and they lost their best point guard in DJ Augustine. They added a rookie in Cole Anthony who has a lot of question marks, right? Yeah. So I don't see this team being as good, especially with Jonathan Isaac uh, on the on the pine for a while, uh, getting healthy. Yeah. Which brings us to the Washington Wizards, who is a team that I have going into the playoffs. Their over under is thirty two and a half. They obviously added Russell Westbrook, lost John Wall. They also added Denny Avija, who had a great showing tonight. Or We're recording this Sunday, obviously. He had a great showing tonight. Um, they added Robin Lopez. You know, Where do you see the Washington Wizards? Over under 32 and a half in. Yeah, so with a record of uh, mm. 25 and 47 last year, you know, it's it's asking them to put really, you know, eight more eight more wins on this. And I, to be honest, I think that's that's spot on. Uh, but because of this damn hook, like I can't, you know, I can't say it's going to be a push. So I'm going to lean over. Um, you know, I I probably would have leaned over if they still had John Wall too, because you know, either way, with Westbrook or Wall, they were going to get better offensively, and that's something that this team definitely needed. Um, 
you know, and, you know, do you put more risk in, you know, an untested repaired Achilles or that hot-headed Westbrook in a locker room? And right now, Westbrook looks happy. So, you know, I'll, I'll take that over. Yeah, man, Westbrook doesn't miss the playoffs, which is why I have the Washington Wizards over 32 and a half, because I think 36 and a half, 36, 37 is going to be like the borderline. So I think they're going to win like 38, 39 games. Okay. Uh, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook. I mean, those are just two guys that are going to power you to like that kind of win total. I mean, one thing you can hate on Westbrook all you want, but the one thing you can not hate on him for is he always goes out there and gives it his all. Oh, 100%. Um, so with that being said, like I like Washington Wizards over 32 and a half. I loved what I saw from Denny uh, Vija tonight. Um, that was a kid I really had my eye on in the draft as well. Rui Hachimura coming back for his second year. Thomas Bryant becoming a great stretch five, also able to protect the rim. Um, I think this is a sneaky good team in the East. Hey, maybe not a sneaky good team. They probably won't win a playoff series, but they're definitely going to be in the playoffs for sure. Okay, I like it. All right, let's head to the Southwest. Western Conference, obviously the better conference, right? This is, yes, a, this is a good division, too. A lot of action going on. So we have the Dallas Mavericks over under 42 and a half. Last year, they were 43 and 32. They're basically keeping their core guys. Basically brought in some rookies. Tyler Bay from Colorado. Josh Green from Arizona. Nate Hinton. Josh Richardson from Philadelphia. And Tyrell Terry from your Stanford Cardinal. Yep. Uh, ben, where are you... What do you got the Mavericks at? Over, under, 42 and a half. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them at under. Uh, I think the loss of Przingis is really kind of what has me at this team not hitting the same mark as they were last year. You know, luckily he's going to be, at least he's rumored to be back, you know, two months in. So he's only going to be missing a quarter of the season. But, you know, is Luka going to be able to you know, carry the team on his shoulders. I mean, Luca's fucking amazing. He's a superstar. He, he can, but is that going to be too much for him? You know, in those initial 15, 20 games at the start of the season? No, because this team is deep. Um, you know, you gotta like Luca controls the game better than anyone I've seen except for LeBron James and Chris Paul. Like, he's able to slow the game down. He's able to control the tempo. Porzingis being out a couple months doesn't worry me because you got Dwight How Dwight Powell coming back, also from your Stanford Cardinal. And Maxi Kleber from, you know, he's a good stretch four or five player. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you got got uh, Josh Richardson, who's a great 3 and D player. And honestly... That's what I loved about what Dallas did in the draft and free and free agency or the offseason, whatever you want to call it, was because their biggest weakness was their wing defenders, and they went out and they addressed it by bringing in a guy like Josh Richardson. That was the exact type of player that they needed. Mm -hmm. I like the Mavericks over 42 and a half here. I actually like them to be a top four seed in the West, regardless of when Kristaps Porzingis comes back. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a best bet. Not, uh, okay. I mean, we'd be, we'd be waiting for a while to get the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I won't do it for a best bet, but that's a good one. If you, Hey, I'm, I'm advising all of you, if you're listening, yo, put, the, put your money on the Dallas Mavericks over 42 and a half. It's probably honestly moved, but if it hasn't, go lay it 42 and a half over. Yep. 
Which brings us to a dumpster fire. I mean, this is a dumpster <laughs> fire starting at the ownership level. Oh, and man. It, it doesn't pain me to ever see a billionaire hurt. I mean, their owner for Tita, he's like the biggest dude in the restaurant and casino industry. I mean, that's the industry that got hit the hardest by COVID. So, I mean, this guy is just losing it. His team is just falling apart. Daryl Morey gone. Uh, you know, their head coach, Mike D'Antoni, gone. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, all want out. I mean, James Harden still wants out. His mom's yep. saying he wants out and shit. He's still on the team, though. Yep. So where are you going with this team, Ben? Over, under 34 and a half. Uh, uh, I mean, dumpster fire is the biggest word for this. Um, uh, so I'm going to go under. I, I do like the ads of John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, but... I mean, who knows how they're going to connect with Harden if they even play with Harden this season. Um, exactly. And, and, I mean, the Rockets, they're not going to get anything back for Harden at this point. He's hes really, you know, put up the big middle finger and really told them to fuck themselves in, in any return <laughs> that they can get. And, you know, so putting them at, at almost 500, is that's tough for me. Yeah, I mean this is um this is a tough one. Like I can't even advise a bet on this because you don't even we don't even know what the Rockets are gonna look like because I mean what what if James Harden just sits out the year? Yep. Right? Like I what mean, if you don't even what if you're not even able to trade him or you don't wanna trade him, you're playing hardball. I mean, for Tito, obviously he's a terrible uh, owner, it's starting to look like. And you know, James Harden just sits out. Then what? This yeah. team is I mean, there, there's no way they win 34 and a half games. They're only bringing back, and this includes James Harden, so it could be one less, two people on their starting lineup or, you know, their, their second string guys, and that's Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, and, and then James Harden. But, yeah, I mean... And you have a new head coach. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a disaster. They're, they're going to be the Jets of the NBA. No, no, no. I wouldn't go that far. They're yeah, not going to be true, that bad. True, true. They're not, but this this storyline of the Rockets might be the most interesting storyline of the NBA because, like like we talked about, there's like who the fuck knows what's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> at this point. All right, let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. This was a team that was like basically in the playoff hunt all last year. They had Rookie of the Year John Morant coming back. Obviously, they're they're returning a lot of their core: Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr., Tyus Jones. Uh, D'Anthony Melton, Justice Winslow. Um, they're bringing in uh, Desmond Bain, Sean McDermott, a lot of rookies, obviously. They lost not really anybody. I mean, they're basically returning a lot of young guys that they had last year. Mm. Um, so where do you see the Memphis Grizzlies, Ben? Over, under, 30 and a half games. I mean, to be honest, I, I really don't. No, I have never paid attention to the Memphis Grizzlies enough ah, to, to call that. Out, bro. <laughs> um, I'll I'll say uh, probably under, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, push all no way. I'm gonna no push way. all my my judgment onto your knowledge of this one because I hey, this, I don't know. Ben, this is another great bet. Like I'm advising you take over 30 and a half games. John Morant is a future, I mean, like, this this kid is amazing. Like, he is a great basketball player. When I was telling you, Luka, LeBron, CP3 control the game, this kid can control, can, this kid can control a game. Yeah. Obviously not as good, but he's that type of player. Like, he can just take over a game. Mm. 
Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, they're relying on a lot of improvement from their young guys, which can be scary uh, because you never know, especially in a year where you had no, um, you had no uh, summer league, you know, off season was cut short. Um, that can be a little tough, but I like the Memphis Grizzlies to go over 30 and a half. I don't think they got worse than last year. I definitely think they're going to be better. So okay. I got to take over 32 and a half i think that's an easy bet which may be why it's a bad bet because it seems so goddamn easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then the last team in this in the southwest division which two is more uh, two more oh yeah we got the spurs too yeah. man no one cares about the spurs but yeah the the this this team is like one of the most talked about teams you know it's the new orleans pelicans obviously they got zion williamson bringing back lonzo ball josh hart jackson hayes Resigned Brandon Brandon Ingram to a max deal. Uh, they brought in Stephen Adams. Obviously traded Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe. You know where do you see the Pelicans over under thirty six and a half? I'm gonna go over, um, and this is a tough one because they lost a lot of defense in Drew Holiday and a lot of points. Um, but I I like what they they added. Um, the biggest add I think is Stan Van Gundy. Um, he's a no nonsense coach, and he's worked with the development of stars. So I think Zion definitely needs that. Um, player wise, I think the additions of Stephen Adams and and Eric Bledsoe, you know, should boost that starting lineup. And you know, I I definitely think the uh, the Pelicans will will get over that five hundred mark. This is a team I, I just I don't understand what they're doing. Like, are you trying True. to be good this year? Are you trying to be good next year? I mean, you lose a guy in Drew Holiday who's able to create his own shot. Huge, you, yeah. You bring you draft a guy really high like Kira Lewis, who is basically a similar type player to Lonzo Ball, and then you bring in Stephen Adams. Who I mean, they have no shooting. Yeah, like. How are you going to put on the floor Alonzo Ball, Jackson Hayes, uh, or Alonzo Ball, Zion Williamson, Stephen Adams? Like, I just don't understand. Like, there's no spacing in this for this team. I don't know how this team is going to look defensively. Honestly, like, there's so many question marks I have about this team, and just for that reason, I'm going to go under 36 and a half wins. Man, not even 500, huh? Nope. Man, okay. And this. This right here of the New Orleans of the New Orleans Pelicans, and I always tell people this on like Twitter and stuff. If you ever interacted with me, like draft picks are the most overrated assets in the NBA. Like people treat the NBA like it's NBA two K, where like you can draft anybody and like develop them into a superstar. Like that doesn't yeah. happen in the NBA ever. And like the Pelicans got all these draft picks, right? And like we're already seeing. You know, at some point, you, you can't just draft, like, 15, you know, top 15 players and expect them all to be all-stars because there's only so many minutes to give out. And at the front of that thing is, in the NBA, you're playing for your second contract from the second you step on the floor. Very true. So you lose a lot of guys on that team aspect when they're young because at the end of the day, they're trying to make as mo the most amount of money as they possibly can, right? Yeah. So I think this is a situation where I just I don't like where this is heading, and it sucks to say because Zion's a great player, Brandon Ingram is a great player. I mean JJ Redick even came out and he was kind of like it sounded like he wanted to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> so 
I don't know. I don't like. I don't like where this shit. This is heading. So I'm going under thirty six and a does, half. Does Does Van Gundy change that though? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't able to do it in Orlando. He wasn't able to do it in Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's he hasn't had the history. I mean, people see him on TV or hear him on TV, and he has these great takes and stuff. And yeah, I mean, the guy's uh, he he knows what he, obviously he's he knows what he's talking about, right? Yeah. But at the NBA level, it's not really about X's and O's. It's it's getting guys to buy in. Yeah. Buy into their roles because, like I said, you can't have have dudes that all want to be the guy. Yeah. It doesn't work. Absolutely. There's only one ball to go around, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which brings us to a team with a great head coach and a guy that always gets people to buy into their roles in Greg Popovich. Last year, 32-9, and nine, it was the first time they missed the playoffs in two decades. I mean, they hadn't missed the playoffs since I was in high – before we were in high school. Yep. That's how long it's been. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs over under this year, 29 and a half. They obviously keep in LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Patrick Mills, DeJounte Murray. They lost Bellinelli, Bryn Forbes, uh, Maytu. Really, really kind of bringing back the same team. Yeah. Ben, where do you have the Spurs over under 29 and a half? I'm going to go under. Um I mean, the Spurs just got a year older while all the teams around them got better. So, I mean, they didn't add anything. They lost some depth. And, I mean, I'm not a college basketball guy, so how are Trey Jones and Devin Vassell? Trey Jones is the kind of player that fits what Greg Popovich likes to do. Like, he's a he's a okay. team first. Uh, he was going to do what the team needs. And I think that's a great thing. But the one thing I would say about returning like that kind of core is in a year like this where there's no offseason, no summer league for young guys and stuff, you know, a head coach like Greg Popovich having, you know, older guys and especially a guy like DeMar DeRozan that has a chip on his shoulder right now. I mean, ESPN rated him like 84th in the league. Yeah. Right. So I think this is an interesting spot, man. I think the Spurs can be better. I think they could like sneak into the playoffs. I mean. They have a legendary coach, dude. Greg Popovich is one of the best coaches I've ever seen in my entire life, and he gets the best out of his players. Um, I got to go over. I cannot see Greg Popovich finishing two years in a row under 500. Yeah, I I still think I'm going to stay under there. But, uh, man, those were two two good divisions. I like those better than last week. Yeah, well, I think those. I think the uh, way we we set it up this week two over unders. I think that's a. That's hey, Bubba, the way to go. what's the matter? I need help with my fantasy football team. I play fantasy football. You think I could help you with that? No way! I'm gonna ask the pros. What do you mean the pros? Alexa, play Weekend Waiver Wired on Spotify. Tune in every weekend for the Weekend Waiver Wire, hosted by me, Steady Eddie Martin. Brought to you by Taproom Sports, where I give you all the ins and outs for the upcoming fantasy week. You need some help getting that W? I'm your man. Join me every Saturday as I turn you into a Bill Belichick-level fantasy GM. Brought to you by Taproom Sports. Keep up to date with everything Taproom Sports to our website, www.taproomsportspodcast.com. All right, so now that we've got the NFL and the NBA out of the way, we are going to turn back to beer. So, Jordan, you had that great sour coming in first. What is your second beer going to be for the My night? second beer tonight is 
uh, I gotta admit, when I saw this can, it kind of like turned me off a little bit. But it's uh, turns <laughs> out I'm not a great cook after all by Evil Twin Brewing Company. <laughs> nice. It's a double dry hop IPA with cashmere, citra, Nelson notes of evergreen and juicy citrus. So. Uh, hopefully it doesn't taste like the can looks like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's like one of the <laughs> few times you can say that, but what do you, what's your second yeah. beer, man? Um, so my second beer, and, and this is crazy because your beer, well, your beer and my beer that I'm drinking are the first time I've seen cashmere hops used. Um, so as a part of my beer, the cashmere hops, I'm, drinking the Bunny Hill IPA from Almanac Beer Company, and they're out of Alameda, California. So this is a, a brewery that I've unfortunately drank a lot of beer of, but have not visited. I know, shame on me. Um, but, uh, you know, Jordan, you've reviewed their first class delivery IPA, which I also drank as well, which was wonderful. Their Hoppy Pilsner is outstanding, and they used to have a pale ale that was just on point. So I'm really looking for this one. Um, I wanted to describe it myself, but I can't not read their description. It's just, it's <laughs> too good. So here it is. So baby, it's cold outside. Bunny Hill's Hazy IPA has a pillowy, soft, mouth-like feel that freshly fallen snow. This liquid snowflake is dry hopped with an avalanche of cashmere and Simcoe, creating notes of citrus zest and ripe melon. So, uh... It's got a lot to live up to with the description like that, but uh, I did take a sip, and who wow, this is a I great know, I saw, beer. Dude, when you gave that reaction, I was like, holy shit, I gotta go find this beer. <laughs> yeah, this and, is great. Well, man, cheers to good beer, and cheers to college football, because we are oh, getting yeah. into the thick of things as we head into the conference championships this weekend. Uh, we had a lot of lot go down in college football this weekend, though. Um, first of all, let's start with the college football playoff. We had the top four teams announced last week. It was Alabama, number one. Number two, Notre Dame. Uh, number three was Cle uh, Florida. And number four was Clemson. But then we had on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day it was, the Big Ten said that you don't have to have a certain amount of games to get in the Big Ten championship. So they basically, you know, moved bridges moved mountains for ohio state to get in there we had a bunch of coaches yeah. come out and basically like throw shots at what was ha what was happening sorry i'm like burping from my beer but we had a lot of players uh coaches basically throwing shots at ohio state right so yeah as we move into the college football playoff i mean this is a big weekend you know you have bama versus florida florida obviously lost to lsu last week so it's like they're way out of it now but if they beat alabama and they're the sec champion and then ohio state beats northwestern and clemson beats notre dame it's like who are the top four college football playoff teams yeah i mean it's it's gonna be crazy i to be honest i think nothing changes with how this week's you know actions you know go and you know after we see our new rankings on Tuesday because you're going to have some of those top teams playing the you know the other top teams and you know the way that it's supposed to be is that the rankings should be a representation of how the teams play for that entire season but it definitely has turned to you know in this exact moment you know not where even are, the exact moment 
you know, the where are the they teams? Playoff is that it's literally like, all right, if you if you have a big brand like Ohio State, Alabama, uh, and I'm even gonna throw yep. USC in there because USC is a big brand. You know, like you're going to get a leg up because I guarantee when the foot when the college football playoff rankings come out this week, I guarantee USC is going to be like seventh or eighth. And if they win the Pac-12, yeah. and I'm just throwing out this hypothetical right now, if Alabama beats LSU, Clemson beats Notre Dame, USC beats Washington on Saturday, Ohio State beats Northwestern, I think your top four teams may be Alabama, Clemson, USC, Ohio State. You know, you could flip-flop some of those teams either way, but those are going to be your four college football playoff teams. And, but you're leaving out a team like Coastal Carolina, for example. I mean, this is a team that beat a top ten team in BYU. They have a they have better wins than USC and Ohio State right now. So it's like, how could you leave that a team like that out? See, what about Notre Dame too, though? Like going into this weekend when they're playing, you know, the number three team, they're the number two team. If they take a W or a, a, a loss, that but you that don't shouldn't yeah, should, take because you don't win your contention. you don't win your conference. If you don't win your conference, you shouldn't be in the playoff. And let's be let's be a hundred percent honest right yeah. now. If Clemson was even a fraction healthy when they were when they played them, they would have won that game. Oh yeah, no question so, about it. You know, but then okay, do you throw in like you said, Coastal Carolina? Do you throw well, in yeah, Texas that's what I'm saying. Like I think a team you know, like Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, like they should be more in for the playoff than uh, you know, a team like Ohio State or even USC, as much as it pains me to say that. Because I mean, you know, USC beats Washington. Yeah. Uh I mean UCLA's a rivalry game, good win. Washington, obviously you win the Pac twelve, good conference, but we've had a lot of cancellations over there, so we don't even know how things would have, you know, gone in a full season. And then you have teams like Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina are playing eight plus games undefeated. Yeah. And you're not even going to put them in, especially a team like Coastal Carolina who beat a top 10 team in BYU. So it's yeah. just, it's, it's a mess, dude. And it just goes to show like, honestly, when we got the college football playoff, I was like, thank God, because the BCS sucks. But now I'm like, holy shit, the BCS was way better than the college football playoff. <laughs> yeah. like, what is going on? Yeah. All right, yeah. we have some upsets this weekend. Um, you know, what were some of the upsets that kind of caught your eye this weekend, Ben? Yeah, um, there were there were definitely a few, and I think we would have seen a lot more if those six, you know, top twenty-five games weren't canceled. Um, you know, the big one for me is is twenty-one Colorado losing to Utah. Um, may. Mainly because it's another Pac-12 team, and I don't, I hate seeing, you know, those Pac-12 drop out of the tw- top 25. Um, but uh, you know, Colorado really had huge turnovers, and um, the Utah rush defense really stood up. Um, the other one that really got me was the number 17 North Carolina beating number 10 Miami, and that was a blowout, 62 to 26. Um, I mean. North Carolina literally ran Bro, they over took their Miami. Soul. Six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. 554 yards. 
You had Michael Carter, who was their top rusher, with 308 yards with two TDs. And then you had Javante Williams at number two with 236 yards and three TDs. That's that's incredible. That's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Bro, they literally took their soul. Like, that's an embarrassing loss for Miami. Yeah. I can't even believe that shit. But my biggest takeaway was LSU, bro. Like, LSU versus Florida. I mean, this was oh, a yeah. game where I said this last week on Tapper Models. Like, dude, both Florida and Alabama have, like, clinched their spot in the SEC Conference Championship. So, it's like, you know, are they going to, like, sleepwalk through their next games? And it looked like Florida definitely did that. And then, you know, obviously – Shit went down in that game. That was a little fucking weird. But, I mean, that was a game LSU should not have lost. And then this fucking guy comes out after uh, Dan Mullen, the head coach of Florida, comes out after the game and is, like, yeah, throwing shots at Ohio State. like, Or, you know, the scenario, probably USC, too. Like, that a team that doesn't play, like, eight-plus games, they shouldn't be in a college football playoff. And it's like... Bro, you just lost to LSU, dude. You lost to a team that is literally losing recruits. They're probably about to get hit with, like, a five-year postseason ban because of the rape scandals going on. Like, dude, that is the most embarrassing loss yeah. in Gainesville, too, of all places. Yeah. And you know what really gets me about this game is that it's it's pretty much all going to be blamed on the kicker because he missed a game-tying field goal. And it was, like, a 51 yarder, right? For 51 yards. Yeah. That's uh, that's but not his kid. deal. I mean, it really comes down to that. Yeah, exactly. It really comes down to that uh, that goal line stop uh, on the uh, first drive of the game. Uh, you know that that put LSU in a huge benefit to to start things off. And then, I mean, throwing a shoe for twenty yard penalty. Who throws a shoe? Honestly. Uh, I mean, and they forced the fourth down on the play too. Like, that's yeah, that's means- rough. It was just terrible all the way around. I mean, that's a that's a loss that is definitely going to come back and haunt them for sure. I mean, they they basically yeah. have to blow Alabama out of the water to get in the college football playoff. Although, if they win the SEC, I would put them in over Alabama. If it was me, but I'm not the committee. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it, I I think yes. it's time. It is time. To hear Jordan's top ten teams of the week, and did you did you see I put a, a little addition to your? I did, uh, but I was actually going to throw there? a loop in here. All right. Okay. And, okay. And All right. So let's hear it. When I was talking about the college football playoff, like I don't control the college football playoff, but I do control the stacks on stacks on stacks top ten of the week. So let's get it started. We're gonna start Love off it. number ten. All right. This is a team that since 1950 have only won their conference one time, all right? Only started the season 5-0 one time. This is a team that is now 6-0, all right? Going to the Mountain West Championship. And I love, and I love Oh, I really love it. I love champions. Number 10 team of the week. We're going San Jose State Spartans. Love Number it. nine, Ohio State. They didn't play last week. They're playing for the Big Ten Championship this week against Northwestern. Number eight, coming off a big rivalry win, USC. Number seven, playing for the Big 12 Championship this weekend, Ohio I'm sorry, Iowa State. 
Number six, Cincinnati, still undefeated, 8-0, idle for the last like four weeks, it seems. Number five, Texas A&M, won, barely, but they won. And they beat Florida, too, by the way. So they're moving up into number five. Number four, so if this was the end of the year, college football playoff, this is the teams I would have in the playoff. I would have number four, Coastal Carolina, still have a better win than Ohio State. They still are winning their conference. You've got to put them top four. Number three, Clemson. Number two, Notre Dame. Obviously, that will work itself out this week. Number one, Alabama. <laughs> and that's the top ten teams of the week. Man, I, I love it. That Notre Dame-Clemson game is going to be absolutely crazy. That San Jose State-Boise this weekend, going for 7-0. and and that Alabama Florida game we talked about earlier. I don't I don't think I've been this excited for a college football Saturday. Oh man, I'm this like excited ever. for college football every single week. And it's dope that we have college football. We're like headed this is usually when we get like the Heisman trophy winner, right? The conference titles have already been yep. played. We start bowl season, which sucks because we're not really gonna get bulls this year. So we gotta like savor every college football game we get. It's gonna be awesome. I love it. Championship weekend, yep. let's go. Love it. All right, so we just talked football. We are going to be moving to the TMZ aspect of the podcast. We are going to be going to our, well, my favorite segment, Pour Me Another. And we got a long one this weekend, so let's let's move straight into it. Our first, you know, really big thing is that uh, we saw two weeks ago, we saw the UFC huge newcomer, Kazma Chimev, his fight on December 19th next weekend get canceled due to COVID. This week we saw the fight rescheduled, luckily, for January 20th. Uh, do you think this helps Chimev? And, I mean, really, do you think Chimev can be? Oh, yeah, I, mean, I thought Edwards. Chimev was going to win this fight regardless. You know, Leon Edwards got COVID, and he had, like, complications of it, which is why the fight had to get pushed back. Yeah. So I think that could ultimately hurt him in the long run as well. Like, it's not going to hurt Jim out the weight anymore, you know what I mean? He's just going to continue training. I mean, this guy's always ready to fight regardless. So I, I like Jim in this fight, so I like him even more now. Um, yeah, man. But it's all, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so bummed, dude, because... December 19th, that fight, uh, that fight night card was supposed to be so good, dude, and now it's just, like, deteriorating in front of our eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm glad to see that it was rescheduled and no one really seems to want to fight this kid. You know, except for something that we saw yesterday from Kevin Holland, apparently, calling him out after his win against Ronaldo Sosa last night. Um, saying that he was going to bang him up if he returns to the 185 weight class and that he's just a money grab for the UFC because he's never really, you know, beat anyone who's won an actual match in the UFC. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's a big card. I, I, Like you said, I doubt we see, you know, a fight happening on the 19th, but the way Chimev has been down to fight, it wouldn't surprise me if we see, you know, a, a Holland and Chimev fight. Wipe that dude off the map. <laughs> yep. And, and Holland's a good fighter. Like, nothing against him, but Chimev would definitely be fight. Alright, today we actually have some news break late. Uh, ESPN announced that the Cleveland yep. Indians plan to change their name this offseason. It could be within the next week. Uh, 
but it could be well into the season to finalize everything. You know, how do you feel about the potential name change here, Ben? I mean, I get it. It's it's not as bad as the you know our Washington football teams, but you know it's still affiliated toward, uh, towards racism of the Native Americans, and you know they already got rid of their their logo, Chief Wahoo, which I mean could have been one of the coolest. Uh, coolest logos. I, to be honest, had no idea it was, you know, kind of on that der- derogatory mark. But uh, you know, I, I think it is where baseball needs to go. Get anything that is even, you know, related to racism out. I mean, uh, we saw Passan announce this today, and that he, he gave some proposed names that I guess they've been talking about. The Napes or the Naps, the Cleveland Spiders, um, or the Cleveland Rocks. <laughs> really, the, the Cleveland Rocks. The Rocks is terrible. Cool. I was gonna say Rockers. Yeah. But yeah, man, I I listened to an interview over the summer. This is like when all the uh, BLM protests were going on and stuff. It was on Fox Sports Radio. This was back when I was. I was actually listening to it on a uh, Fox Sports radio show while I was running in Seattle up a big ass hill. And that's why I remember it, because I could barely breathe. And, and it was with uh, it was with a dude, I can't, I can't remember his name, and I feel bad for not being able to remember his name, but he was a Native American. He was running for president, obviously a long shot, right? But they were talking about, this was like when all the Washington football team stuff was going on, and he was saying like, you know, for Native Americans, it's like they've always been looked at as either like you know, cowboys versus Indians, so they've been the bad guys, or they've been looked at as like mascots for sports teams, you know, the Indians, the Chiefs, the Braves, and so forth. And it's like there's some where you know it's an honor, like the Seminoles, like you're respecting that tribe, stuff like that, the Seattle. Uh, but then there's there's some where it's like the Cleveland Indians and the Washington Redskins, which are like pretty derogatory and pretty racist. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to take that into consideration. Like, as a white person, I can't be like, oh, dude, it's just the Indians, bro. Like, I mean, we don't look at it like that. Yeah. You know I mean? But if you know a Native American comes and says like, no, dude, like, that makes me upset. Like, it's hurts my feelings you know you have to take that into consideration because we don't know how they feel like we can't speak for them and that's like that's like them being like the cleveland caucasians having like a white beer belly dude and like just stereotyping the shit out of fucking white people you know what i mean so in that in that respect like this has to be done it's probably we're probably gonna see this happen you know the chiefs and the braves are probably gonna be next um Blackhawks, Black yeah. you know, and, and there's there's classy ways, like I said, of, you know, honoring these tribes, like name it after a tribe and get their consent, you know what I mean? Or, I mean, these racist names gotta go. Oh, 100%. Sorry, I went off 100%. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so we'll, we'll move on to the next ones. We've got uh, the MLS Cup winners were, uh, were crowned this week. We saw the Columbus crew take a 3-0 win against the Seattle Sounders after the Sounders came back incredibly to score three goals in the last 15 minutes of their conference finals. But uh, before the finals, the big news came out. The MLS issued its yearly reports that stated that over 20% of players had COVID throughout the season. 
They racked up over a billion dollars in losses, and all of that included 7.5% in player salary reductions and a 70% player bonus reduction. I mean, do you think that the MLS can survive numbers like this? No way. How do you lose a billion dollars for an industry like that? I mean, the NBA profited $10 billion in 2019. They only profited, or they lost $5 billion last year. Um, There's, I mean, you can't tell me that the MLS generates even a tenth of what the NBA does. So, I mean, a billion dollars in losses is fucking massive. I, I can't I can't imagine no, like investors are just like running out to like pour capital into their business either. So, uh, I mean Ben, I've always wondered how the MLS adds teams all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're always adding teams. Like, yeah. You know we've been to a couple earthquake teams and there's like nobody there. Like we go sit wherever we want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do you think? You're you're the MLS guy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say, um, just because money has been pouring into the MLS before COVID hit, but, uh, man, I, I just don't think there's enough value in some of these teams to succeed with a huge hit like this. So, I did the numbers on it. The league's only worth $7.5 billion. You know, average value in teams is $313 million. And then you've got the lows are the Colorado Rapids that are valued at $190 million. So, if you take a 24th of that, you know, of that billion-dollar loss, that's, I mean, you're basically putting $40 million of loss on each team. And if you're only worth $190 million, that absolutely devastates a club like Colorado. So, I, I think we're going to be, you know, seeing the decline of the MLS for a couple of years, um, you know, unless we can find a way to get some big names here, and it's going to be tough without Messi. Yep. Could happen, eventually. Oh, man, this beer, bro. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the last topic here, after two home non-conference losses to Michigan State and Illinois. Coach Mike Krzyzewski of Duke came out and said they shouldn't even be playing and then shortly after canceled all non-conference games. This has come to some criticism from all around sports. Are you okay with this though, Ben? And is he in the right to for his opinion? I mean, yeah, they shouldn't be playing in a pandemic anyways. But, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a little fishy on, you know, the timing that happened and how he changed his mind after, you know, two losses that they should have taken the W in. But, I, I mean, it's... College basketball is going to be tough with all of these cancellations and, you know, postponements. I just don't understand how you can rank the top 64 teams for this tournament when you're going to have all these records. Well, the records are going to be all over the place, but you're going to have conference teams, and obviously the Pfizer vaccine's rolling out, and you're going to have other vaccines roll out. So I think by by mid-conference, you're going to see a lot more normalcy. I'm not saying you're going to see fans by any stretch of the imagination, but we're not going to see as much cancellations. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I think the timing is very strange for what he was saying because two weeks prior, he's talking about like, oh, I don't want to see the the uh, the NCAA tourney canceled. 
And then all of a sudden you lose two to Michigan State and Illinois, and you're out here saying, like, oh, we shouldn't even be playing. Like, I mean, this is by far the worst team I've seen from Duke in the last decade, maybe the last decade and a half, maybe even the last two decades. He's one of the worst teams I've seen. Yeah. Have. So it, it just question. It makes me question, like, all right, if, if this was two years ago and Zion and Cam and RJ Barrett were on his team, would he be would he be singing the same tune? Probably not. So unfortunately, these questions are gonna arise because of the situation in which he said it and when he said it. So he deserves the scrutiny. I'm sorry, Coach K. I love you, but it is what it is. Yep. All right, it's that time of the week. We had a decent week last week. We went combined two and one because we had a cancellation in one of the games. Ben, you went one and one. You had Tennessee minus seven against Jacksonville. That was a winner. Lock it up. Yep. Then you had Seattle versus New York Jets over 47 and a half. Three points. Oh my god. Three points. And they took out fucking Russ. <laughs> everything. In the third quarter. Come on. Every, everything went against you in this one, Ben. You were just you were set up yep. for failure in this one. So you you took him. But I learned from it. Me on the other learned hand, I gave y'all Buffalo Bills pick on last week instead of San Francisco 49ers in Arizona. That was an easy winner. And then I gave y'all Kent State minus six and a half against Ohio. I loved it. That game was canceled due to COVID. It would have definitely won. I just wanted to let y'all know that. So if you if you <laughs> followed me before it got canceled, just know you were on the right track. So Ben. Nice. This week, my man, where are you going? What are your best bets? Uh, stretching out because I think we're going to get some easy Ws again this week. Uh, I, I really like both of these bets, and uh, I, I learned from that Jets loss, so we'll, we may see something uh, similar similar a little bit down the line. But uh, my first bet of the week is going to be for this Monday night game we see tomorrow. I mean, we're going to go Browns plus three. Like I said earlier, I, I really like the train that the Browns are rolling on. And uh, I'm not going to say it, but it's the Baker <laughs> train. But uh, yes, the, there we go. But uh, I mean, yes, the Ravens annihilated them 38 to six in week one of the year. But these teams are complete opposites of what we saw in week one. I mean, the Browns have found their identity, and it's surprisingly without OBJ. I mean, Baker's playing like a stud. Chubb's bounced back when, you know, since his injury, and Hunt is probably the best number two option in the league. And yeah, and uh, Baltimore's pasty is better than you know we saw last week in Tennessee, but. The Ravens' offense is just too unpredictable. I mean, I really like the money line at 150, but I'm batting 500 in my bets this season, so I'm going to take the points as a crutch, and I'm going to go Browns plus three. And uh, for the second bet of our best bets, I I got burned by the Jets last week, but I'm going to take what I learned. Ooh, and I... I'm going to make this pick. So I'm going to go Rams versus Jets under 44 and a half. 
I mean, the Jets suck, as we mentioned multiple times before, averaging 14 points a game, allowing 30, and that puts us right at 44, but let's be real. The Rams D is probably the best in the NFC, if not the NFL, and they're a hell of a lot better than Seattle, so we're probably going to see a repeat of that three points total, if they get any. And Jets allowed 40 points today, and I put the Seahawks offense when playing at 100% above the Rams offense, you know, when playing their, to their top capabilities. So I'm going to go Rams and Jets under 44 and a half. Love it, man, but what if, what if the Rams score like 47? <laughs> I, I don't think their offense has, has that in them, so they haven't beat 36 this whole season, so hey. I'm... I'm banking on it. They haven't played the Jets in the season. They have not. That's a a good one, though. I I, I definitely love where your head's at with the Browns. We talked about this earlier. I like where where your logic is for the the, uh, Rams, Jets. I just think the Jets might score 45. I mean, the the Rams might score 45 in that game, so... I thought that way with uh, with uh, Seattle when they only put up 40. So. <laughs> tough, tough. <laughs> I mean, All right, my two best bets of the week. We're going to start it off in the Big Ten Championship. We're going to Ohio State, minus 20 and a half against Northwestern. This is a game Ohio State. They have all this scrutiny on them about not playing enough games. They have to show up and show out in this game. That means they have to blow the socks off of Northwestern. I expect Ohio State, Justin Field, to come out here, throw the ball around the field, stop Northwestern, who's not a good offensive team. I like Ohio State, minus 20 and a half. This is now before this goes up to like 27 and a half, 28. My second best bet of the week is Clemson, minus 10 and a half against Notre Dame. I said this earlier in the year. If Clemson was completely healthy, Clemson would have been a 14-point favorite going into South Bend. This is on a neutral field. Clemson, minus 10 and a half, with revenge on the mind. Trevor Lawrence back starting. Plus, they got most of those starters back on defense. I love Clemson, minus 10 and a half. I'm willing to take it up to minus 14. I'm locking this up today. That way, we don't have to sit on 13 and a half, 14 and a half come Saturday. Let's get it early. Clemson, minus 10 and a half championship. Let's go. Love it. We're going 4 and 0 this week. Getting I was going to put money. USC in there, but I was Always like, dude, if I put US, USC in there, they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So we talked our sports. It is time to come back to beer. And I, I really have been waiting since you announced yes. your beer. Um, turns out I'm not a great cook after all by Evil Twin Brewing. Tell me, how, that, how was that one? On it. It's a little tough, dude. I, okay. It's it's not bad. It's not like the worst IP I've ever had. It's heavy, mm-hmm. so like you feel it, like it kicks you in the mouth. Um, I don't yeah. really love the aromas of it. It kind of reminds me of the can. Like, I can't really cook after all. Like, it kind of just reminds me of like throwing a bunch of stuff into <laughs> a pot. Um, I, yeah. I'm gonna give this one a three point seven five out of five. I would I would drink it again. I probably okay. would not buy it again though. And that's no disrespect okay. to the beer, dude. It's, you know, brewers have what they want to make. 
you know, it just might not hit my taste buds yep. the way that it would hit others. Exactly. Um, so I'm giving this one 3.75. The berry snatchers, nice. though. Ben. Ben. Yeah. Ben. Hell yeah. I like the I way you're starting sours, this. Bro. You know I love sours. Yep, you got this me on sours. This is my sours. favorite yep. sour I've ever had. Oh, damn. That okay. Good. This beer, the the fruitiness of it, the sourness of it, like it makes you, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I can't wait for you to try those war, uh, Warheads dude, beers, wait. man. Like this is what a sour is supposed to be, dude. This is when I want, when I buy a sour, um, this is what I want in my can, you know what I'm saying? Or in my beer glass. Hmm. This beer, Berry Snatchers, from Kings County Brewers Coalition or Collective, bro, 4.95 out of 5. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. What a high score. We're going going there. We're going there tonight. We're going there. I hope you bought multiple um, so you can send me one. Because if it's at a 4.95, that is, that is definitely Amazing one I sour. have to try. And I will definitely keeping it keeping an eye out for it. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be tough to follow that <laughs> shit. Um, we'll start with, the, with my Wicked Weed Brewery, uh, Pernicious IPA. It's a 7.3% IPA out of Asheville, North Carolina. And this was the first beer in my 12 days of, of beer Christmas box. And, I mean, so far, it did not disappoint, this, uh, this box at least. Uh, this was a great beer. It had a million hops in it. it. It had the flavor. It had the smell of all of the hops. But it didn't overpower anything. It was a, it was a beer that you can just drink a lot of and that's scary because it's 7.3 percent like you're gonna be feeling that um you know i'm gonna this was a good beer i'm gonna give it a 4.25 out of five um and it's gonna be an ipa that you know i've i've never seen it before in california but it's it's gonna be one i'm gonna you know keep an eye out on the websites and uh and look for you know, at all my, my locals. So, um, but, uh, you know, you had a, a beer that was pretty good and then you had a beer that was outstanding. I had a beer that was pretty good and I had one that was hey, outstanding. Uh, this, this Almanac beer company, um, the, the Bunny Hill IPA, it's a 6.1%. Um, this is one of the best IPAs I've had in a long time. It is, it's super tropical. It's, you can taste mm. the melon that they described in there. It's not overpowering at any point of like that fruity citrusy hop that you get. You can still taste the hops. Uh, you could, I mean, you can drink this easy. It's, uh, it is a top-notch beer and it's unfortunately a Christmas beer, which... Uh, that just means hey. I'm going to have to stock up. So out of five, I'm going to give this a 4.75. Um, this is this is one that I cannot wait to have on tap. This is one that I I mean, I might have to. I, I got it. three weeks off. You I might have I got, to drive up to, to Alameda. And, 
and go grab some more. It's uh, we'll, we'll be COVID smart, but uh, this hey, is a must. I love buy. it. I love it, Ben. There's no days off. Must by the way. buy. No days yeah, off. What are got, you talking about? We got. No I don't days have to off. work. I don't have to work for three weeks. I'm fucking no loving off. life. But uh, I guess that's true because there's no day off that's beer right. or sports. So. But uh, but that was our show, everyone. Thank you for listening. You know, make sure you go and check us out. Follow us on Instagram at Taproom Sports Podcast, on Twitter at Taproom underscore Sports, or you can just check out our website www.taproomsportspodcast.com, where you can find all of our social media accounts. Plus, you can check out all of our new merchandise in collaboration yeah. with the Glory. Make sure to. Check us out on Thursday as we're going to be dropping the four new spreads for our week 15 spread contest where you can win a Taproom Sports hoodie. That will be dropped Thursday night after Thursday night football. And, uh, you know, we still haven't had a winner yet. We need a, dude, we're trying to give away we a hoodie. Somebody to, we're, we need somebody to get a W. We might have to throw some uh, some hooks in there. So, But uh, make sure to check out our other podcast, APR, on Thursday oh, for is, NFL is good Week episode 15 this week too. previews. Yep, Jordan and I are joined by Steady Eddie Martin of the Weekend Waiver Wire and Tiffany from Picks by Chicks, where we review each and every game, have some fun fantasy antics, and you know make some more best bets. So, you know, we mentioned Eddie, and while we're talking Taproom Sports Podcast, Network Podcast, we got to talk about his weekend waiver wire, always dropping on, you know, Friday, Saturday, to get those fantasy booms and busts for the last-minute waiver wire pickups. So make sure to check all those out. Thank you for listening again. Man, enjoy, enjoy winter. Enjoy this Hell Christmas yeah. music. I am Big Ball and Ben Larson here with my co-host, my buddy, Jordan Stacks on Stacks hey, ben, on Stacks. We, go, we should give our top five Christmas songs. While 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 War is Over by well, John Lennon plays let's, out, let's give our top five Christmas songs. Let's. I'm putting oh, you on the spot. Putting me on the spot. I don't even know if I time. can put. This song is long. Okay. Okay. And it's a beautiful That's song. That's so Y'all need to hear it. But top five Christmas yeah. songs, Ben. Oh, man. Okay, we're going to put... So this is up there. War is over. We're going to put Grandma Got Ran Over by Reindeer. (laughs) Um, We're going to put... Let's see. uh, Chicago's rendition of The Holy Night. Love it. Um, Is that... I think that's four. Is that three? Um, We'll put up... um, what was that one that we, had, we played Hollows. last week? Was that the the great run? song? Love yeah, it. I love that one. Love it. Oh yeah. All right. I'm All right what's you. your top five? Uh, so number five, I'm going Christmas and Hollis Run DMC. Number four, I'm going Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. I think that's like the most popular. There we go. Uh, like modern Christmas song. Uh, number th- number four, uh, three, I'm gonna go Justin Bieber under the mistletoe. I know I'm throwing curveballs okay. out here, bro. Number two, I'm going Andy Williams. Yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Probably one of the most famous Christmas That's songs. That's a great song. And then yeah. number five, I'm going with this That's song right here, War is Over by John Lennon. 
Love it. Love it, love it. We will see you oh, all next week. Damn straight. Peace out.